This week, we meet the Mi'kmaq woman vying for the top national First Nations political job. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 180. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Voila. And they're off. So far, four candidates for the job being vacated by Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. The AFN is the national lobbying organization for more than 600 First Nations. But it has its challenges, internal and external. Perry Belgar frequently says, it is the First Nations themselves who are the rights holders, not the AFN. His cozy relationship with the federal liberals often doesn't fit with those words. Which way for the AFN after Belgard? Kathy Martin has some ideas. She's Mi'kmaq, a member of the Band Council of Listigus First Nation, and she's running for National Chief. I spoke with her about the changes she'd like to see in the AFN, how she'll campaign during a pandemic, and the long odds she faces coming from the Quebec Atlantic region. Great, Kathy. Uh, welcome to the program. Nice to have you uh, with us as you start this uh, exciting journey in your life. I thought uh, first I would ask you to introduce yourself to our, our listeners. So I'm uh, Dr. Kathy Martin. I'm from the Listigush Mi'kmaq First Nation. Uh, I'm a mother, a grandmother. Um, I've done a lot of things in my life. I'm a First Nation politician. I have uh, been involved in politics on and off for the past 20 years, uh, elected some years, uh, choosing to other career professions other years. And uh, so um, I have a vast uh, resume in, in addition to First Nation politics. So mm. that's who I am. So you're you're currently on Listigouche uh, Council, I think, as of uh, last uh, November. And yes. uh, you've been on, on previous terms. So you, uh, you know the scene in, in Listigouche. And tell us why you've uh, made this major decision to offer yourself for national chief of the AFN. Obviously, that's a big thing that you probably did a lot of thinking about. So what was your motivation, inspiration? Right. And, and you're right. It was a, a long, well thought out uh, process. Uh, it's been uh, uh, pondering in my mind for the past uh, over a year. Um, what brought me to this process was um, I left my home community in, in 2018. Uh, and I ventured out. Uh, I, I offered for um, for for the position of chief in 2018, and I lost in my community by four percent to the incumbent. So uh, as such, I, I went uh, and and being uh, finally uh, an empty nest uh, grandmother, I didn't have any responsibility holding me back, and uh, I wanted to venture out and to go um, explore. So I, I went out to seek employment. So I went. Uh, well, I went first to Shashasapi, uh, Quebec. I, I stayed there um, six weeks. It was quite the experience. I loved it up north, very peaceful. Um, 
that being said, when when I got there, it was for an education job. Uh, I gravitated to the politicians, to the politics, uh, got involved there a bit, came home because of a family emergency, realized Chashaspi was too far. So then I ventured out to Ottawa and I worked in various non-for-profit organizations within Ottawa for the past two years um, pre-COVID. Um, the jobs that I had uh, received in Ottawa, uh, they were actually jobs uh, that brought me to First Nation communities across the country. Uh, again, uh, each time I would enter into a community to do presentations, to do teachings, um, even though they weren't of political nature, uh, my passion would gravitate towards the politicians in the area. I'd meet with them, we'd talk, we'd discuss uh, the experiences I had in um, Ottawa uh, always had me uh, involved in politics and I was in the nation's capital. So I started networking, started, uh, you know, exploring different kind of uh, national politics. And then issues arose over the years as well, uh, you know, with, with uh, racism and with uh, justice issues. And again, how am I going to use my skills to, to best, because I'm, I'm still a politician at heart, to, to best uh, contribute as a, a First Nation uh, person to participate and to offer solutions. So this was my goal, always offering solutions. How can I better things? How can I make things better? Even though uh, the path that I had chosen for a couple of years didn't um, wasn't in politics. I was teaching for Health Managers Association. I was teaching for AFOA. Uh, I was doing these- What is AFOA? What does that stand um, for? Aboriginal Financial Officers Association. Mm -hmm. So I was teaching First Nations Financial Administration. Mm -hmm. to First Nation leaders across the country. And and, and all all very relevant things for the uh, for the AFM because we've we've heard over this past year um, through news accounts uh, that there are some issues within the AFM in terms of um, administrative issues, uh, financial oversight issues and um, and some um, tension between uh, the regional chief for Ontario, Roseanne Archibald, and the national chief, uh, Perry Bellegarde. And that seemed to have some gender ingredient to it. So I wonder what, uh, if you were national chief, what do you see as the immediate challenges uh, at that at our national Indigenous uh, advocacy organization? Well, in relation to the financial episodes that have been happening? or Oh, just, gen just generally in terms of the AFN at this point in time. Well, I have uh, two things uh, with the AFN at this time. Uh, I have a priority for, for the AFN, and I also have um, a vision for the AFN at this time. My vision for the AFN is, is the uh, Assembly of First Nations is just that. It's an assembly. Uh, they get a lot of... Uh, you hear a lot in the media about uh, the AFN doesn't speak for me. The AFN is not a fourth level government. The AFN is, is, is not a governing body. And, and all of that is true. And when we look back to the charter of the AFN of, of uh, uh, 1985, uh, we're looking at uh, the, um, the values that the AFN was, was based upon and the values of uh, respecting the diverse nations. And it, the AFN, like I said, is just that, and it's an assembly. It's a gathering of the nations to come together and discuss the issues, but yet respecting the individuality of each nation and the diversity amongst the nations. So my key would be bringing back that, that vision of um, the AFN as an assembly. Now, that being said, I think there's no better time than now uh, to um, 
look within our communities and not just focus on the elected leadership. Historically, we've had traditional leaderships and hereditary leaders within the, within the same nations and which the uh, elected governing systems, the imposition of the Indian Act has caused a divide in our communities. So in our communities, we're all of the same nation, but yet there's this divide. There seems to be this ideology that there has to be a divide between traditional and elected governance that they're two separate things. My thing is, there's no better time than now to amalgamate. We are an assembly of First Nations. We are a gathering of First Nations. And I think of it in terms of almost like sweetgrass. Sweetgrass, it grows all from the same ground. Whereas, whereas a nation, we all belong to the same land, right? So when you take sweetgrass and you braid it, you create strength, not only strength physically, but also spiritually. And amalgamating the elected government with the traditional governments would be so powerful for First Nation people in this country. And so that's part of my vision for the AFN. And uh, your second question, I, I, <laughs> I got on a tangent, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, well, let me, let me ask you this, uh, arising from what you just said, um, and uh, National Chief Belgard uh, often says this, AFN is not the rights holder. The individual nations yes. and communities are the rights holder. Exactly. Yet, but yet, in terms of the way the AFN deals with the, the federal government, um, the, the current liberal government in particular, it's almost like they are a government-government a government government relationship. And the communities find out after the fact uh, what's going on. And, of course, uh, Chief Belgar says, well, I have to have good relationship uh, with the federal government in order to get things for you. It's better if I have a good relationship. But other people are wondering, well, maybe the relationship is a little bit too close. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, yes, we, we absolutely need to have relations with the surrounding governments around us. But in terms of the, the Assembly of First Nation, we really need to uh, redefine and realign with the Charter and respect that each individual nation is in and of itself you know, speaking on behalf of themselves, the Assembly of First Nation does not speak for them. And uh, in building relationships, yes, relationships are key. I, I am all for that, uh, to build relationships with the governments we have to work with. I mean, we shouldn't be declaring war uh, within the country with the federal governments or the provincial governments. Uh, if we're going to declare war, we should declare it on, uh, you know, the addictions or or poverty, but, but not on the nations that we have to uh, surround ourselves with. Um, you know, our, our relationship with Canada has always been a legal one and will always be a legal, a legal one, uh, regardless of how it's trying to be uh, glamorized or, uh, you know, uh, sensitized or how the, the spin that they're putting on it. it. It really is a legal relationship between First Nations and Canada, stemming right from our, our first treaties and our first contact. Now, Kathy, let me let me ask you about your, your campaign. You're from Listigouche. Of course, down east, uh, we are, as a national politics, outnumbered by the, uh, by the chiefs uh, in the rest of the country, uh, Ontario, B.C. Um, so uh, you, you face a challenge in that regard, just in terms of the numbers, I suppose. Yes, I was. When I was, uh, I told you, this has been a, a long thought out, well thought out, uh, over a year of uh, contemplating went into this. And in that time, I did speak to uh, many candidates who had previously run. I've spoken to regional chiefs and I heard a, a theme uh, across these uh, um, experienced individuals is they said, uh, you can run for national chief by all means. Uh, 
please do. They said, but you have to really understand that um, your chances are slim to none. Number-wise, the facts are against you. Within five provinces, there's less than uh, 100 votes. If you take Quebec and the four Atlantic provinces, there's less than 100 available votes to be had. And this is the, the part of the country where you're coming from. So they said your challenges are you know, up, up against you. And, and indeed they are. But there are more votes in Ontario than all those uh, in Quebec yes. and the Atlantic put together. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, and right now there's two candidates that I know of uh, for sure that are from the province of Ontario. So there, there's going to be a challenge for sure. But that being said, uh, offering for first uh, for the uh, Assembly of First Nation National Chief um, to get your message across, uh, even if I don't win. I'm talking in forums where my message is going to be heard. I'm talking to the nation's leaders. I'm talking to the chiefs across this uh, nation, coast to coast. And the ideas that I have and the suggested solutions that I have, um, they will make an impact. Win or lose, they're going to hear what I have to say. And this is another motivation that I had for, for running for chief. Okay, I have ideas and I have suggested solutions. How do I get them out there to the chiefs? This is how I can do it. So yes, the numbers uh, and the odds are against me. At the same time, I am running a a hard campaign, um, making it um, my priority to contact each of the First Nation communities. I have to God bless my my niece, Megan, and my daughter, Marcy. They they work tirelessly to um, gather an email list. They researched the 630 reserves across the country and and they got me emails and the names of every chief. They did that for me. And so this is the the tool that I'm using. Uh, It's a virtual campaign. It's a very hard to uh, be a dark horse and campaign virtually. Very hard indeed. So this is what I'm doing. I'm reaching out to every possible chief I can, explaining my ideas, uh, reaching out for their support, uh, I'm really putting 100% into it. I'd never enter into any election, uh, you know, um, without the acceptance that if I lose, I have to move forward and things like that. So I, I have no fear, uh, but I have a lot to offer. You mentioned that this is an unusual uh, campaign because it's done virtually. And the first, um, your first challenge is to get the the nominations. The What is it? I yes. think you need 15, uh, 15 yes. chiefs to sign your, your forms. How, yes. how is that going? It's going well. Uh, so far, so good. I have I have half of those. Uh, uh, however, I, I'm still searching for the other half. Uh, again, it's it's I'm making cold calls, right? Uh, I'm introducing myself to chiefs, and and uh, they may or may not know me. Uh, like I told you before, I'm I'm a dark horse. I'm not well known politically. Uh, so. Uh, I have um, objectives. I have a lot to offer. I've made some videos. I, I emailed them some videos. And I discussed with them some ideas. And uh, I know my calendar next week is is quite, quite booked. I'll be presenting to the uh, chiefs of the Yukon and presenting to the chiefs of Ontario. I've got some uh, other meetings, uh, individual nations like Akwesasne, uh, d- different um, nations in New Brunswick. I'm contacting to have these uh, these meetings that I had made requests via email. So uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting mm-hmm. there, and I, I'm very confident that I will gain the uh, fifteen, uh, the fifteen nominations that I need. That's great. What what are you hearing from the the Mi'kmaq chiefs in um, in uh, Quebec and and the Atlantic? Because there's fifteen votes uh, right there. If they decided to to help you, what what's your reaction from them? Have you have you been getting? 
Well, the reaction I, I've been getting from them is, uh, well, a lot of them are for it. A lot of them have issues with the, the fisheries. Like they're asking, like, you know, uh, you know what, you know, we're experiencing difficulties with uh, the DFO, with fisheries. And uh, my response to them is uh, we're a little bit different than the, the nations out west and uh, uh, central, well, some central is, but we're on unceded territory. We have the po most powerful treaties in the nation. Uh, we are title holders. We still hold title to the land. Uh, we never negotiated our, our lands away uh, as other First Nations have. So I get into little discussions about that with them. Well, great, Kathy. It's uh, been an exciting time for you. And um, as you say, uh, we have had some of the most memorable campaigns have been by uh, candidates. So I have one, Russ Diabo, uh, policy analyst, ran one year, and that was... Um, Last election. That's right. And that was had a lot of content, a lot of very important discussion. Of course, Pam Palmer, another Mi'kmaq yes. woman, ran one year against, uh, I think, Sh uh, Sean Atlio that year and also made it a much more interesting uh, campaign than it would have been otherwise. So uh, right. it, it's great that you're you're in the campaign. And what um, so you're going to be busy between especially between now and June the 2nd. Yes. You'll be spending a lot of time looking into your computer, I guess, on on Zoom calls. Very much so, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, when I entered into this, I, I spoke with my family, and uh, I had told them, uh, win or lose, I'm just in it to embrace the whole experience from the start to the to the finish, to see all of that it entails, to, to share information, to receive information. I'm just really enjoying this process, the whole thing. Great, Kathy. Well, well nice to meet you, and all the best uh, on the campaign, and we'll be, we'll be watching. Thank you very much, Glenn, and... Uh, Thank you for reaching out. All right. Malala. Malala. We'll see the full list of candidates for AFN National Chief on June 3rd. The virtual vote takes place on July 7th. Three other people have announced their intentions. Alvin Fiddler and Roseanne Archibald from Ontario and Jody Callahoo-Stonehouse from Alberta. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimbus.